What's up, everybody? Uh, Matt DeMarinas here, um, White and Blue Review, bringing you another post-game Blue JB podcast uh, to break down Creighton versus Kansas that just went down in Lawrence um, tonight. Um, I'm pleased to be joined by, out of retirement, um, former Creighton women's basketball hooper and assistant coach, uh, Chevelle Sonsis. He is kind enough to, you know, join me to break this one down. She's got the MJ blow up. Uh, what do we call that? A poster or billboard? Yeah, it'll come little... out. Yeah, it's like seven dollars. Is, is it a six foot six version or what is it? Is it like is it? Um, it definitely. There's no way it's six foot six because it's okay. close to my height. So okay, so we got like, the we got the bootleg version. You're like five foot six on a good day, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with shoes and ankle braces. All right. Yeah. Well, first of all, Shadow, I appreciate you joining me. Um, Thanks we, for having I, me. Yeah, we talk a lot of hoops. But we don't usually record it, so hopefully people can see how fun this would be. I'm probably yeah. ask you. So, like, have her back on, and you go away. Um, <laughs> Doubt yeah, it. but I guess just what your initial impressions were of uh, the game today. Obviously, it's it's pretty simple to say that Creighton missed some shots they normally hit, especially at the free throw yeah. line. Um, but what were some of your takeaways in terms of? Uh, maybe how they were like chasing the game a little bit through that middle portion of the game when Kansas kind of, kind of got rolling a little bit, especially. With yeah. Well, I think there are just like some momentum shifts. Like I, the one I think about, I know it's before the half, but uh, when Sharif got that, I, can I, can, can I complain about the refs a little bit here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can cuss, you can cuss the refs all you want. <laughs> okay. Those refs were kind of trash. I'll be honest. Like there was no pressure from the crowd. So I'm, I was very confused at some of those charge calls when it, compared to the Sharif one on the fast break. And then you got the one with uh, Denzel, um, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, they, they, to me, those are, those are completely different, you know, things that happen in the game if, if those are called differently. So, um, but overall, like I just, I'm, I'm, I have a way positive outlook in this game. I don't know how other people feel, but their defense has gotten so much better. Um, just, just as a casual watcher and I would go to practices and stuff, but you could just tell their defense has taken a, a, a step because it's, it's so much more efficient and you can tell exactly what they're doing. So, um, when I watch and they're, you know, their, their ball screen coverage or whatever, even when they make mistakes, cause you can kind of tell they're, they're obviously are mistakes being had, mm-hmm. um, but they're all so committed and they, they just commit to their mistake. And then a lot of time it turns into something uh, where the other team's scrambling. So that was really, really fun to watch. Yeah, I thought, I thought, you know, I think from a ball screen cover standpoint, I felt like that was a strong part of Creighton's game. Obviously the first mm-hmm. adjustment that was paramount to them kind of be getting back in the game was an adjustment on McCormick inside. But I thought, you know, Christian Bishop in particularly was, yeah. was incredibly effective Maybe. on both ends of the floor, like and defensively too, even though McCormick kind of won some positioning battles with him inside, you know, I think you don't want that if you're Creighton, but you kind of expect that with a guy like McCormick. He's good oh, enough. Sure. And he's yeah. big. He's really, you know, he's really fundamental, good footwork inside. So if he catches deep, you kind of really just hope Christian doesn't get a silly foul and give him an and one, right? Yeah. Just hope he misses. But so other than a few times where McCormick did, you know, win the positioning battle before the ball was entered to him, um, and get some easy finishes. I thought Christian was incredibly um, disruptive defensively. The ball screen coverages where he comes out and pushes mm-hmm. the one out towards half court. And, and then, then goes back. Yeah, to recovers to, to deflect the entry pass yeah. or make it a tough entry pass. Yeah. Like, 
how hard is that to do for a big man? Like we've, it, we see that it takes a lot of effort on the court, but yeah, like how hard is it to like learn that and become good at it for a guy like Christian? Yeah, I think it's very difficult, honestly. Like you, you think about who you're playing. One, one, you're playing Kansas with really, really good guard play. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one thing if you got, you're, if you're guarding a kid coming off of a ball screen that's one dimensional. Um, then you have a lot, you know, there's a safety net there. But when you have a really good guard, you have a really good post. Um, it's it's hard to do both. Um, but I think he's very efficient with his angles. Yeah. So like <clears throat> he does a good job of getting that that like you said, he pushes that kid out to half court. But he doesn't waste not one step going the wrong direction. And and I, mm-hmm. to me, that's just – and I was talking to my husband about this. Like, uh, Creighton is really, really good with details. And you can tell that they drill these things. And I and I can talk about an offensive piece with Christian, too. Like, his ball screen, um, his ability to set those ball screens, it's a small thing. But, like, I watch a lot of NBA. And the screens where you kind of, like, fake like you're going to – set it on one side and you quick flip the, the, the first three that Zagorowski got in the second half um, was because he really, really sold that screen. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yep. yep. Um, so yep. when you, when you quick flip those screens, that's, that's hard to guard. Um, but it just feels like Christian has made such a, he's, he's always, he was always a pretty good player, but I feel like he's elevating in his, his game in a way um, of just focus and just detail. And, and I, I thought that had a big, you know, that, that was a big, uh, I guess, asset for him when it came to showing and recovering and being super effective on those ball screens. Because the, it's not just like athleticism to be able to do it. Your timing has to be really good, too. And I think one yeah. of the details you mentioned there was <clears throat> no wasted movements, like not wasting yeah. a step. You yeah. know, because some guys, they'll like heat the ball up a little bit and they'll kind of get like, they'll kind of like see a pick six in their eyes. Yeah, and they'll get themselves like too far out of position, and then yeah, with Kansas's guards, that probably would have been in trouble because you know Marcus Garrett's a bigger one, right? Like right. he's not right. a traditional like he's not a six one six zero like lower than that kind of guard. Like mm-hmm. he can see over bigger defenders and exactly. make those plays if you if you if you compromise yourself too far away from the big man. So the fact that he was able to kind of stay in that sweet spot of pushing Garrett out to the to the mid court line. Yeah. And still, still keeping enough space between him and McCormick to get back yeah. in time for the pass to get there. Yeah, that's the most impressive part of it. And it I think it, that's exactly. when you watch him, it's like that's where he's made the biggest jump defensively. It's because like yes. getting that sweet spot down in your mind where you can feel it on the court because it's a feel thing, right? Like you don't, oh, is. you can't see where you're at at all times on the court. Like it's a feel. Yeah. Like you have to feel like okay, I'm a little bit too far far out right now. I need to start to recover a little bit here, right? Exactly. And and it's it's like you're talking about. It's a discipline, too, because as tall as uh, Christian is and as athletic as he is, um, it's super tempting, and I'm sure, like you said, to try to just go time your jump wrong and try to get the steal a little, you know, a second sooner or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or push him out one more step, and you think you got it, you, you think you can still recover. Um, so it takes a lot of discipline for him to do it being as athletic as he is because there there are a lot of um not so athletic post players who 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 play very good ball screen defense to me like I know Steven Adams is huge but he's not super athletic mm-hmm. you know from obviously OKC and um so when I think about effective ball screen coverage with a post player it's like you said it's not always about athleticism it's to me it's more about angles and your your activity with your hands and then on top of that, um, just understanding how disciplined you have to be to just just trust your teammates that they're going to they're going to give you enough time to recover to your post player um, mm-hmm. on a dive. So, 
yeah, he's he's been really good at that. Well, just on his season as a whole, I mean, he was he was great again today, and obviously he was really good in the first two games. Um, and you mentioned a little bit his like what he's able to do to a defense with his ball screen timing on that end of the floor. But what mm-hmm. stands out to you when you just look at the total the total package of improvement from year to year over last year? Obviously, the three ball was there today. He hit one early. That's an element that wasn't mm-hmm. there before. Yeah. Uh, a couple mid-range jumpers uh, early in the first two games that he showed off. Like, what what do you see in terms of where he's gotten a lot better that's making a difference for him in terms of his production in not only the areas of the details that you're talking about, but also just, like, the stuff that you see in the box score? Yeah. Um, well, I'm just a huge believer of confidence, number one. And um, one thing that I will say about Mac, I, he he obviously does a good job with schemes, but I think he is incredible at confidence. So I remember when Christian first got to Creighton, um, he was actually doing a shooting workout with Mac. Um, and they were, he was rebounding. I don't know how long they were in the gym, but I just remember them shooting threes and he was just working on his form. He was giving them a lot of feedback. Um, so it's not surprising that he's obviously became a better shooter, but I'm also a believer in the fact that when you become a better shooter, you instantly gain more confidence and you make better decisions. Really? Um, yeah, because you don't run away from your shot. When you're running away from your shot, your shoulders aren't faced up to the rim. Um, so you're making very uh, passive decisions. You're quick to, you know, you're, you're, you're not making calm decisions, one. And then two, you're, not, you're probably not being guarded very tight. So, um, yeah, so it makes the defense cheat off of you a little bit, what you're saying? Exactly, like can, okay. exactly. Yeah, because yeah, when you can shoot, you have to be more honest. Um, so, and I think that that frees up the game for you more when you feel confident in being able to shoot. And like I said, just just simple, simply facing up um, makes you a better decision maker. But, um, yeah, I would say that his confidence is, to me, the biggest thing. He, he looks like he's been playing for a long time out there. Yeah. You know, he, he does, he, he seems like he's matured faster as a player um, than maybe the average, the average guy. So, but I, I, like I said, I just, I just think one thing that I've learned from Mac um, just watching his practices and just being observant, I think he's, he's a killer when it comes to getting those kids confident. Um, and that's what you need when you need to shoot. And when you go from not being able to shoot very well to being able to shoot decently to where he's at right now, that's confidence to me. It's repetitions, obviously, but it's confidence. Yeah, but the, but the repetition thing is going to come when there's nobody watching, right? So, like, that's mm-hmm. the part that – it's not easy to do, but that's the part that players – a lot of players who don't necessarily perform well will do. But yeah. then there's, there's another element to it when the lights are on, right? Like, you're talking yep. about the confident part. Like, are you confident enough to take the shots you've taken over a thousand times in a quiet gym when the lights are on, the pressure's on, yeah. and the noise is louder? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel no, um, Speaking of missed shots, I feel like, I mean, you kind of mentioned that there's a positive vibe to what's being taken out of this game, and probably most of the people outside the locker room would probably agree with that because you see that Creighton didn't shoot well in certain areas of the game where they normally do, and they lost yeah. like one at Kansas. So you're like, all right, maybe uh, – a definite missed opportunity because if they're even average in those mm-hmm. areas, they probably play from the lead most of the second half and don't have to worry about right. um, the last few possessions, if you will. Um, but in terms of like, you know, Creighton is crazy because if you told me that Creighton was going to go, what they finish? 18, 18 for 29 from two, 10 of 14 from that range in the second half against Kansas. 
yeah. I, would, I probably wouldn't have. I probably would have thought that Creighton's going to score eighty-five to ninety. Right. Because I, I would think the three looks would be there, and right. they did. They did get good looks. I don't know what you think about their shot quality, but just in, from the from what you're able to remember about their shot quality on the three ball, did you feel yeah. like those were those were in rhythm looks, mostly within the scheme of the offense, and they felt like they were looks that they would live with every single bit. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, I feel I feel like their offense is pretty free. He has uh, he has a lot of choices. Mac has a lot of choices as far as guys who can who can make knockdown shots. Um, going back into my coach cap, I I think more about like the amount of times we couldn't secure a rebound. You know, you think about the one where Marcus gets the rebound and turns it over. Um, the one where Mahoney has the ball and then falls out of bounds, I think. Yeah. Um, like to me, those are the ones that kill you. Those are because because the, the the shooting can be like this, and obviously Creighton is is known for you know being able to shoot. But okay. those are the first things that come to my mind when it when I think about gosh, we lost by one point. Um, but from a shooting standpoint, like you're talking about, I would say I would say for the most part they got which they got shots that they would live that they could live with. Um, and in how honest can I be? <laughs> Super honest. We're, this, mean, is like, this, is unfil- think, this is unfiltered podcast. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying like, so, so to me, the difference between a great team and a very, very good team is the, the quality level of shot and the timing of the shot. So just being blunt, like Mahoney takes some questionable shots sometimes and those sometimes uh, result in a play. And it's not just him. It's, it's just, um, I think that you can get – I think one of the challenges of being a coach, especially at the college level, is selling and getting your team to, like, understand the power of momentum um, and understanding the power of maybe even time of possession during a, a, a critical moment or a critical momentum swing. So if they score and you come down and you shoot a bad shot and then they get the ball back, that's not nearly as powerful as if, if they score – you make them guard you for 20 something seconds and then get a decent shot. Even if you brick it, it's still a different uh, momentum about it. It slows down their good, their good five for hitting the shot as opposed to giving it right back to them. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because as from the other, from the other perspective, as as coaches on Kansas, you're like, yeah, the defense and everybody's hype because you forced Creighton to take a bad shot at a critical time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's, um, it's both ways. That's, that's just, that's the, that's the, you can see that in NBA too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm saying like, those are the things that are biggest challenges when you have such a talented team, you know, it's, it's all right. You want to be free. You want to let them, you know, make their decisions and play with flow and feel, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you got to try to reel them in. And that's the, and that's the hardest part I would say about, about the coaching at this level. So what do you tell a locker room like this? Or what do you feel like is the general – is the consistent message after a game where you go in as not like a betting underdog but also kind of like a perception underdog, right? Because like Kansas is Kansas and Creighton is just like a good team this year, right? Like mm-hmm. so no – you know, winning at KU would probably be more beneficial to Creighton than beating Creighton would be to Kansas normally, right? Like just right. from a national yeah. perspe- perception standpoint. So, like, what do you tell a locker room if you're a Creighton coach in this position, like, where you were 9 of 27 from three, missed a lot of good looks, 7 of 15 from the free throw line, missed a lot of, you know, ones that you normally would hit with guys there. Um, 
missed one, obviously, at the end of the game that would have tied it. Uh, had some, like you said, turnovers on balls that, like, you felt like you played good defense and had the thing secured and then lost yeah. it late and it got away. Yeah. Like, those little things that you said were costly, along with the shots that you missed that you normally hit. Like, what do you tell a locker room like that that's probably pretty beaten up over yeah. things that they let it get away, as opposed to feeling good about how competitive the game was down to the wire, despite all yeah, I think you – I think this is a carrot game. Like, I think this is the, the game that makes you feel like, okay, we can really, really – What's a carrot game? What's a carrot So, you, you know how you dangle the carrot a little bit and you okay. have – So, I, I, think, I think it's one thing to be like, okay, we're number eight and we're a good program. Uh, but to hang with Kansas, to not shoot as well as we, as we can, uh, to make some of those critical mistakes, those – you know, just the, just the ones that you normally don't see. Um, I think that that would be the most encouraging thing to have film on, you know, mm-hmm. um, because you can, you can say when it's March, like, look how close, look, look, look what lost us this game. This, this, this one rebound could have changed this game. You know, it's a one point game. So it's, there's, there are a lot of small plays that, um, that go maybe overlooked in practices. Um, so we watched a lot of practice film. And when you see those things happen in a practice and they're not that big of a deal because it's practice, I think that's where you dangle the carrot and you're like, remember this play? You, you know, you can get on a kid um, and, and I guess call them higher or hold them more accountable when you have that kind of game uh, where it didn't result in a win, you know? So, so you look uh, at the details more and the, the – so it's, that's kind of interesting because I think, you know, it would be – it's probably easy to do, but it feels right at the same time to look at the – to look at the shot numbers, just mm-hmm. those two – just those two spots and be like, well, yeah. you know, if Creighton was 7 of 15 from the free throw or 9 of 18 from the line today, if they're if they're even bad, like at 12 yeah. of 18, but they right. win, right? But you're still looking right. at de- – you're still looking at details as a coach. Yeah. Yeah, because – shooting shooting comes and goes you know what i mean like that's even if you're really good at it you're still like look yeah. misses and makes yeah. are misses and makes or whatever the details are yeah. what win and lose you the game yep is if you if you want it like if you watch I mean, we can talk about villanova we can t- I, I'll, I'll um talk about we went to play villanova and we ended up being in their locker room um mm-hmm. for one of our games against them and it was pretty cool because they had this big board up on the wall and like it's it's very detailed right so like the things that we tracked in practice were like the, the normal stuff, like you're talking about, um, not normal, but like more obvious things as far as the like surface. shooting percentage. Yeah. Steals, channel, right? Yeah. yeah right, the yeah. stuff that's in a, in a, in a score or a, a, a stat sheet where they had the, um, the screen assist and they had the second effort play. And like, they were, they were just very, very intentional about like um, encouraging and like tracking that stuff so that it mattered more to their players, you know? And, mm. and I, think, I think that that's something that um, – and I, I know that Creighton does the same. I, I don't know what they do for as far as, like, marking stuff down, but I know that they value that stuff because in order for them to be as good as they are right now, those things are important to them. Um, but I'm saying when it comes to, like, teaching and selling your kids on those things, um, yeah, I'm not talk- – I mean, that's just my personal opinion, though. I'm not talking about the shooting. I'm talking about – literally everything else that doesn't go like this in a game, really? you know? Uh, yeah. I'm talking about all the things that you have control over. Um, 
I can I mean, talk, I guess you that, know, would probably, that would probably help shake a kid out of like a shooting slump, right? Or help them help them still be effective if they're like 0 for 5 in a game. If they haven't hit in a while and they're not yeah. feeling it, probably still yeah. affect the game in other ways, right? Because you can still – For sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if they're going – I mean, I know they're going to watch film. So, like, you, I, I guarantee you there are a lot of things that are on that film where they're like – gonna kick themselves that's just even when you win games you go back and watch and you kick you can kick yourself so um I would that's just my that's just how I would think about the locker room though it would be yeah. it would be definitely on that on that on that side um let's talk a little bit about Marcus because obviously um you know he's the engine of the whole deal uh you know it felt like he it felt like and I was just charting the early matchup with Garrett because it was you know, you could argue that it's the toughest, you know, individual matchup that he's faced in his career, given that Garrett's the, you know, the returning defensive player of the year um, yeah. in the country. Like, but, and it, even though it felt like Marcus wasn't, uh, like, on offensively when you looked at his shooting numbers, it felt like he was still kind of making good plays with mm -hmm. Garrett on him. I think he had, you know, he set up uh, Christian Bishop with a lob on that pick-and-roll action where Christian slipped against McCormick. Yep. He set up Mitch for a driving kick three. Um, Kalkbrenner, he got Kalkbrenner a free throw assist where he got him to the line and he hit one or two. Um, so it felt like he was making good plays against Garrett. But, I mean, you know Marcus. You know his family. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know how he. there's not going to be anyone angrier on that plane ride home um, than he is because of that missed free yeah. throw. But, like, what do you so what 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 do you see in terms of what's in Marcus's mind right now in terms of what he takes away from today and how quickly he's going to have to wipe it with Nebraska coming up here this yeah yeah well I'll just say like I think Marcus has that crazy mentality in a good way like I think he's got that um, like he's going to find a way to be in the gym. I don't know if it's going to be tonight, but I wouldn't. COVID that protocols wouldn't, or not, he'll find a room shock me. Yeah. He'll find a room. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me if he found yeah. a way to get into a gym tonight. Um, yeah, I agree. I'm sure that's going to eat him up quite a bit because um, he's I, – I, I don't remember what game it was a couple see, last year. Um, I just remember him being in the gym by himself like forever and ever it felt like. Um, yeah. I had gone through like two different workouts with, two, with, with different players by the time and he was still, he was still in there. Um, but like I just – I don't know. I think, I think it's, it's going to be a easier, not an easy bounce back, but it's going to be, um, uh, he's just so focused and intentional about what he does. So I feel like he's going to find a way to get in the gym. And that's, to me, that's like the best way to clear your mentality. Um, it's, it's therapeutic to go in the gym and shoot on your own and, and just kind of clear everything up. But it feels like whenever he, Whenever he struggles, um, the next game his his bounce back is like crazy. Right, his bounce backs um, last year were insane, weren't they? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I remember, yeah. The, I remember the Providence one on the road. I think he was like one for ten. Yeah. Um, you know they got rolled pretty good, and mm -hmm. I think he told us he was like he was in the gym. He got they got back in town that night, and he was in the gym till like three four in the morning. Yeah, he's and then, wired. Like, and then and then like went and lit up St. John's like the next game. Like he's yeah. his bounce backs are crazy. Yeah, he's he's just wired differently, and it's funny because um, I don't want to. I don't. So I I, I just spoke with uh, Phil, 
you know, and he's working, he works with Damian Lillard. And one of the things that I asked him was like, all right, so how do you identify and see what kind of players have, you know, that it factor pretty much. And, and literally everything that he talked about with Lillard to me is a reflection of how Marcus Zigorowski thinks, um, at least from what I could see from afar. Um, but when you, when you have a player like that um, and you have a coach like Mac, who's going to let you, make mistakes and give you free reign, you know, to, to, you know, play because you trust them. Um, hey, you just, I just, you just don't worry about that type of kid as a coach, you know, as a coaching staff, you don't worry about that type of kid. Really? You just so there isn't like, like there that. isn't much of a conversation like, Hey man, it's okay. You know, you're going to hit the I don't think so. none of that stuff. I would be, I would be surprised if there was, honestly, I'd okay. be surprised if there was, I think, I, don't get me wrong. I think if there's any conversations, it's like, uh, relax or calm down. Don't go in the gym for two hours before, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's probably some of that to, to, to like, so he's not overkill. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just, I just feel like when you get as many reps as that kid does and you have the mentality that he does, um, and that stuff's going to sift itself out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, and uh, switching gears to Mitch, I think that's a, that was probably a surprising one to me because he hit his first two. Yeah. So like, I felt like if he hits his first two, you're looking at like seven, mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's just not like, because <laughs> yeah. how, because yeah. when, when yeah. he gets into a rhythm, it's like a different rhythm. You know what I mean? Right. So like, right. like knocking down his first two, they were all on catch quick releases. Yeah. Um, I think one of them was a pretty good closeout on him too, and he still banged it. Yeah. Uh, so I was a little bit surprised to see him cool off. Yeah. I guess like, and I felt like from the most part the looks he put up were pretty good. I think maybe he he had one at the end of the shot clock against Garrett that I don't think he would have shot under normal circumstances unless mm -hmm. he had to put it on the rim. Um, there was one on like a, a, a blob play based on a bounce play. Uh, that corner three? Yeah, that corner three that I think uh, yep. I think Bryce Thompson was on him. It was a pretty good contest. Yeah. Um, well, I think, the, you know, other, what are we at? Four misses left, five misses left. Mm -hmm. I felt like those are all ones he's like, Dang it! I want that one back. Like I know. Like yeah. How do you? How do you? When you're a, when you're a shooter, um, let's pretend for you, okay? You're a <laughs> when you're a dead eye. <laughs> when you're a dead eye shooter, like uh, like how do you reconcile that in your mind if you're like missing ones you like will hit blindfolded basically? Yeah, I don't know. Like I think I. I think one, I think emotions played a little bit of a role. You're okay. at Kansas and you're, you know, like this, this is a big game. You're ranked um, and you know, everybody's freaking watching. And I think, I think that that stuff is as much as people try to like, say it's not a big deal. It's a freaking big deal. Like you're out there, you're, you're in the Allen field house. Like it's, it's, it's a huge deal. Um, yeah, you grew, so, up, grew up dreaming of playing in that place. Yeah. 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 yeah he's got a very unique story and, um, so I could see how that that played a little bit of a role, but you're right. Like to start off that way and and feel like that kid's about to catch fire um, was definitely the way I thought too. But yeah, those are the ones that are that are tough. But as shooters, like you you just gotta freaking keep shooting. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's the thing I like about him. Like he, this is the most aggressive I feel like he's been with his shot. Um, I remember his freshman year. Obviously, freshman year you're 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 newbie, so you're um, you're trying to get the feel for the game, but like. It was I, – I remember always watching me, like, shoot it. Even last year, like, shoot the ball. Yeah. You know, you're a good shooter. And I, I don't feel like that this year. Um, 
So I, like he's, I, I he's searching it out more and he's getting it up. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, I think that's good. Not he, he'll be fine, obviously, but yeah, I think the motions definitely had a little bit of something to do with it. Yeah. Those are the two guys. Like I just, I don't know. It's, I, I'm probably taking it for granted because I just don't, I don't feel like there's anything to ever be worried about with them. Like, I think you're always going to know what you should expect out of them. And if you don't yeah. see it, like if you, if you get to a game like this and you see something that doesn't go, um, that, that looks out of place with them. Yeah. You're, you kind of like don't expect that to be happen in the next game. Cause you know, what's right. going to happen with them, their process, the process they've made for themselves in terms of like their day to day. Yeah. is like, even if they're good, they're still living in the gym. But when right. they come up short like this and mm-hmm. then, and they can like probably lose sleep over thinking they're the reason that it came mm-hmm. up short, like Mitch is probably not going to sleep thinking about the, yeah. I think he missed six threes. He's probably yeah. not going to sleep thinking about the four that were in rhythm looks. Marcus yeah. is not going to sleep thinking about that last free throw or the three yeah. off the, yeah. off the, off the wing ball screen that could have tied it on the possession before. Like, yeah. So those guys are going to be super focused on, you know, getting in the gym and spending the hours. Like, you don't worry about players like that, right? Because they're going to – the work's going to be there, and the mental part of it's going to recover because that's just who they are. They've put – they've been too – there's too much of a sample size for those two to have any kind of, like, game-to-game concern over if it's going to snowball on them. So I totally – I'm on board with you. I don't think you worry about them – um, about this game affecting them negatively in a long-term sense. Like the ripple effect, it, it's, it's pretty small. It ends it ends as soon as they get back, basically. They'll they'll work to just because, like you said, the therapeutic part of it, they'll mm-hmm. work just to get it out of their mind and yep. feel good about what they what the, what they can do again, have to convince themselves almost again. They're kind of <laughs> like people are psychotically competitive like that, right? You yeah. just like Seriously. You have to remind yourself that you're good by putting work in the gym, even though you know you're still good before. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think, I think that's what's special about this team. Um, nothing against other teams, but um, your, your leader is the most psychotic, you know, as far as getting in the gym and, and just creating a standard of work ethic. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the biggest and most important thing. Um, and you can even say leaders. You can say, obviously, Mitch is in there, too. Um, so, like, when, it, when you have players like that who are willing to get in the gym on their own and – just have that mentality you don't spend time like coaching them to make sure they're doing okay you know they're I'm sure they're doing some some of that but um for the most part you're just probably like let them go and they're going to figure it out and have faith in the kids that you've recruited um because obviously that's paying off they they've they've done a good job of recruiting kids who are driven on their own um Denzel Mahoney obviously you know, it was funny because, like, at, at a certain point, you could probably you could probably put Denzel in that group of guys who was missing sh- who were missing shots that they normally hit, but mm-hmm. he did heat up at the end of that thing. Oh yeah, them, like that seven zero run he hit to tie the game. Um, awesome, yeah. And, and it's it's and I think you know you watch this thing and you're like, you forget that he was in quarantine up until what a day or two before. Right. Um, the opener against North Dakota State, right? So he yeah. missed. So he missed the first game because he hadn't practiced yet. You know, he gets a couple practices under his wing, goes um, five for seven from three, right, against Kennesaw mm-hmm. State yeah. or against UNO. Then he goes zero for five against Kennesaw State. So there's a little bit up and down there. 
And you kind of attribute it to him kind of still getting his legs underneath him, right? And then today he kind of struggles early um, and then heats up late and ends up finished with 19 on, you know, I think he was seven or 14. Yeah. So pretty good efficiency overall, but like it came in right. spurts. It was cold and then hot. Right. Um, how long does it take for a player? Because like if we factor in the circumstances of what he's trying to do to get himself back up to speed, mm-hmm. like how, how much does a game like this, especially the way he finished it, go towards instilling the confidence he needs to feel like he's back, even though he maybe isn't physically. Yeah. I think that's, I think he's, I think he's one of the honestly tough, tougher guys to um, get a feel for just from my perspective. I mean, obviously they do a really good job with them and keep them like confident and encourage him to, to explore and do it, do his thing. Um, but I would say like, Obviously, he brings a completely different type of player. I, I don't know what kind of player we've had like him. Do you? Can you think of anyone? Well, I mean, I, I kind of feel like he's like a little like Kyrie, but they don't. I don't know if they use him like they use Kyrie. If that's what you're saying, right? Like, yeah, no, I I agree. Yeah, I I don't I don't think they use him like that either. Yeah. Um. So he's unique, but he's good. At, he's he's unique in a very very good way. So that's the hard part. Is like as he's trying to get his rhythm and as he's trying to get, you know, his, his legs under himself. Um, and you're trying to obviously win games and the, 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 I guess the margin for error is this big. Um, that's what's that to me, that's the hardest part. And that's what, that's what makes, um, coaching hard. I think the, yeah. the, the hardest part, you know, like, because it's easy to, to kind of even talk about what I just talked about, like, Oh, that one possession, you know, when he took the rough shot, like, uh, but at the same time he went on a seven, no run on his own. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a coach's call. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's where um, you just got to let kids play and, and, and figure it out on their own. Like, I think that's what, like I said, Mac does a really, really good job of, he does not, he does not yo-yo kids. Really? Um, yeah. He, yeah. He's, he lets them freaking play. They, he lets them play through mistakes, which is obviously beneficial, um, has been beneficial for them, but he's very good about letting those guys feel like they can make a mistake and be fine. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think, I think he's going to be absolutely fine. It is going to be interesting, interesting to see how the like pieces all fit together by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um and how you like keep that guy in, you know, involved with all the freaking options you have on that team. Yeah. Right. Because they did shrink the rotation a little bit today as this yeah. the game went on. Like you kind of got a sense that, um, that maybe Sharif from a skill set standpoint, because of what KU can do in terms of how good they are on that, you know, in the guard court and how big they are as well. Like they're not little guards yeah. like that. So, right. um, Maybe it's a tough game for Sharif to get a lot of a few more a few of the rotations he got at, in the early couple of games. Um, Kalkbender, same thing. Even though he played pretty effectively, it's not like you're shrinking down um, Christian's minutes to like half the game because you see how important Christian is on the floor. Right. You need him yeah. in the game more than you've had him in the game the first three. Right. Um, that's why right. you saw. That's why you didn't see Epperson tonight. It's not because it's not because Jacob couldn't wasn't physically able to be on the court and produce something. It was because Christian was so good and it's hard to take him off the floor when he's that valuable while he's on it. Right. Cause you right. can't just, you, you kind of gave him his breaks 
<laughs> the first yeah. three games, you got to <laughs> dig in the tank now for this one. Yeah. And that's kind of what it turned into. Once the, once, once the coaching staffs kind of got a feel for who was going to, like, win this game or lose it, that's who they stuck on the floor for the large stretch of the game in the second half. Yeah, and that's be um, happening a lot um, towards the end of seasons. Is is you see that the the shrinkage of the bench yeah. starts to happen as you get towards the end of the year, and you realize you know obviously guys get their wind, um, they're able to play through obviously more fatigue, um, and I think that that's obviously something that's to me that's that that's that's an indicator of what's to come. I'll be honest. Like I think if Christian's going to play like that, like you got obviously got to play that man. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously it's going to be dependent on who you're going up against, but obviously, you know, towards the end of the season, when you're in the freaking tournament, uh, that kid's going to play. So and it's gotta be like in the 30 to 35 range, right? Like, I would think so. As much as you say, so. as much as you say, it's hard to, it's like, it's hard to yeah. throw a kid out there for that long. Like that's kind of how valuable he is though. Right. Yeah, like, no, it is. It and, is. People, and people want, I think people, what people were hoping for is maybe like the potential of, mixing and matching like putting Christian at the four letting Cockburn get some more run at the five because like they will do with Sharif they'll put Sharif at the one and put Marcus at the two because Marcus mm-hmm. can play the two and play off the ball and be more of a scorer than a facilitator um it I don't know if Christian I don't know what you lose at the four if you put Christian at the four just to get him either a breather at the five with all he has to do on both ends of the floor or if you want right. to talk better some minutes like Christian is most valuable in, at the five spot because of his versatility, right? Like right. that doesn't, that doesn't, do you think that translates to the four spot if they try to move him there? I think it's, I think it depends. Um, so kind of like you're talking about, like if, so a lot of times um, I, I'm trying to think of a good person to compare. So like, if you say Audrey Faber is playing at the five spot versus the four spot, mm-hmm. obviously there's a little difference because Audrey was definitely way more guard oriented than she is you know, then maybe Christian is guard oriented, mm-hmm. but we also, we also factored in um, the matchups. So if Audrey had to be guarding, um, you know, like a big mama down, t- you know, down on the post and she's out there wrestling the entire game, then it was really, really important, especially for us to give her some time at a different position so that another kid could, you know, bang in the post. Um, so that could be a factor. I'm not sure what they, what they feel on that. Um, Cause that brings in a whole nother fatigue factor. Mm. But from an offensive standpoint, I don't know. You got too many options. Like you, I, I, I personally don't see it. I could be wrong, but um, I just think, like you said, he's so valuable at the five. It's what their offense is to me, the hardest to guard when he's at the five spot and you yeah. got all those shooters surrounding him. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, when you put a guy, nothing, Christian can shoot, but he's not, you don't want him shooting jumpers all game. Right. You know, so, um, you want him, and, you want him in the pick and roll game, slipping to the rim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and other coaches know that. So if you put him at the four and you got a five and you're playing big, um, it's going to shrink the floor, mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit. So you, you, I think the, I think the Creighton way is obviously fast paced, good shots, be aggressive offensively. Um, and the best way to do that is to be able to spread the floor out. Yeah. I think what people would probably hope for is that, like, you see – you saw how effective that small ball five lineup was last year, like the super small ball five. Yeah. I, it's funny because I keep saying the small ball lineup for Creighton, but Christian is uh-huh. a small ball five in general. It's already <laughs> – their starting lineup is a small ball five lineup. Um, right. But, like, that small lineup when they put Denzel at the five, mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like it was, like – 
game over because you can't yeah. guard because you can't guard that at all. Yeah. And, they, and the, you know, the last ten minutes of Seton Hall, they missed like they were what they scored on like twelve of thirteen possessions to end the game with that yeah. lineup in the, on the floor. It's hard <laughs> to argue with those results when that's like the really last is. when that's your last frame of reference. You're like, right. That was a, arguably a Final Four squad they were playing and literally couldn't Seriously. stop them at all. Yeah, um, no, I totally but, agree. But 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 Christian has become he's gotten so much better at being that small ball five. And like we've broken down so far tonight, it's it's multifaceted, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not it's not just in the box score. It's it's in the it's in the screen game. Like how many screen assists does Christian have? Right. Um, it's in the ball screen defense. How much yeah. timing does he throw off in the other team's offense in terms of rhythm with the with the flow of the action when they set that ball screen? Like, when, a, when an offense sets a ball screen, right, they're trying to get into a flow of something, correct? So yep. when, Christian, when Christian hijacks that thing and chases the one out to the midcourt line, like, that disrupts the entire flow of what they were trying to do, yeah, correct? Totally like, everybody's in, everybody's in position for something, but the defense can rotate to it now because Christian's disrupted the ball, right? Like, that's yeah. what no, absolutely throws it, has. it all off. Yeah, so, yeah, no, like, Ken, so, so if you do go super small five, with Christian off the floor, put, you know, Dens back at the five or put Antoine at the five. Do you, how much effectiveness do you lose in all those little areas of the game? We talked about the details that Christian has been like superb at basically. Yeah. Yeah. And even, so even thinking about last season, I don't know how you felt, but I felt like one of our biggest weaknesses was rebounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had been, I felt like for the last couple years, even. Um, and Christian helps. I mean, like he, he does a lot of stuff. Uh, from a rebounding standpoint, um, that I think has a huge effect. Like I just, maybe I'm wrong, but when I would watch the, our our men play last year, I remember screaming at the TV because we couldn't get a board. And the other team would get so many freaking offensive boards, and it'd be it'd be like, I don't know, so so glaring. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they play small with Christian out there, it still it doesn't feel like that's the case. Um, it feels like we do a way way better at rebounding. So. I think that that would be the biggest concern of mine. Um, how, going do fin- how, how do you, how do you like, finish possessions, basically? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because those those are killer. Like you can play good ball screen defense all you want and uh, contest a good shot, but if you can't get that board and in, in, in the possession, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that was something that was clearly um, focused on since since last season. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, let's flip, flip to the defensive side of things for a second, because I actually think you brought this up in terms of like how good they just looked on that end throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you see in terms of adjustments they made against McCormick? Because he won, like I said, he won a few position battles with Christian. So I don't know if it was necessarily something they needed to make a huge adjustment to just in terms of maybe it was just like, Hey, don't let him, don't let him get to this spot before he catches yeah. the freaking ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, something simple like that. Like, did it feel that simple to you or did you see something from a schematic standpoint that, you know, they were sending help from different directions and making it tough for McCormick to catch in that, in the spots that he caught in the first half. Yeah. Well, I don't want to make this whole thing about Christian, but I, it, he just, he, he, he was I very, felt like he was the best player on the floor. So it might be, yeah, you know what I mean? He was. It might just be. Yeah. No, he does like that kid's freaking good. That kid's really good. So the, the fact that he was able to be really physical, you could just tell that, he just needed to battle him, be really physical, and just make shots, make him shoot over top of him. And, mm-hmm. and I felt like that's what he did. Obviously, like you said, he lost a couple position battles where he got caught over top or um, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, when it came to one-on-one, 
position defense, I thought he did a really, really good job of just staying disciplined. He had that one freaking play. I can't remember who went for the layup and he got the foul because he just came down at the last second. Um, But I I just, I just feel like the post, his post presence defensively was a huge factor. And I will just say like in general, Creighton's defense to me is, I feel like their schemes were always really, really good. You could tell what their, what their intentions were, Mm -hmm. but execution of it this year is just on another level because they're just so much more active. The activity level is, to me, is nuts. Um, and I don't know what the game plan was, obviously, but the times where they're trapping ball screens randomly, the, the steals that, you know, Sharif got, the steals that Mahoney got, um, that's just freaking activity. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's, just, that's just being in the right spot, getting off your player. And, um, and I think that that stuff is like, it, it, it just is uh, – clearly what they're what they're focusing on in practice Mm -hmm. because to make that big of a jump and being that much more disruptive it obviously is a focus and I think it's it's intentional right it's not just very very it's not ad ad lib yeah because so when you when you when you have a scouting report and you come up with these defensive schemes like you can have the best freaking scouting report ever it doesn't matter if your team doesn't commit to whatever you're supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. so when I say that is the biggest thing to me is like when they make mistakes, they're probably making all kinds of mistakes that we have no clue that they're making. Yeah. Whenever they do it, they do it balls to the wall. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're not supposed to be trapping, I don't know if they were supposed to trap with, cause they had two guards trapping. I think it was uh, Zagorowski and uh, Sharif at one point. I don't know what the game plan was, but they trapped and it was like, it looked like it was part of the scheme, but there's a good chance that wasn't the plan. Mm-hmm. You know, and when when things like that happen, I think that's really good because they commit to their mistakes. And I think that's what happens when um, or I think bad possessions defensively happen when you don't commit to whatever you're going to screw up on. So when you're in that indecision moment, that's when you give up stuff. But if you're like, oh, shoot, I'm going the wrong or I'm, I'm not supposed to trap here, but I'm here anyway. So I'm just going to make it tougher and throw it out. Um, I feel like that's when a lot of teams can get some of those easy you know, turnovers um, yeah. and be more disruptive. So it just looks like they're all like going hard as hell. And I know they're making mistakes because I, I know that's what it's not, like. That's not, that's not coach speak. <laughs> <laughs> they're just going so hard. It's like, wow, that's, they probably weren't supposed to do that, but it ended up something good came of it. Um, but that's just a different mentality. I feel like they, they definitely have a different approach. Something's different. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of it has to be they know – I mean, last year at some point they kind of settled into a similar game plan from a, from a game-to-game standpoint. Like, all right, here's the tendencies of all this – of all these uh-huh. alphas, right? Sadiq Bey, um, Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, like Kamar Baldwin. Here's what they're going to do. Tyshawn, you go stop them. Yeah. <laughs> like – you, yeah, you you're right. Study, study their tendencies. Yeah. We'll, we'll practice it. We'll, we'll, with the scout team, you get, you get accustomed to it. And then for what, 35 to 37 minutes a game while you're out there, you shut it down. Mm-hmm. So like when you have someone that can do that, you can scheme around them to stop the other four. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so what's happening this year is they don't really know who that player is yet. So they're kind of like they all have they all have to be connected now. 
know yeah, I mean? it's yeah. defense by committee for sure. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with that. And um, and obviously, there's going to be times when we're when we're up against whoever uh, is a beastie scorer that's coming up. Um, I think that that's going to obviously be something we're going to be concerned with, like who's the matchup. But there's there's the there are a few different things when it comes to defense as far as like being great. So there's you can be really good scout defender. You just be super de- disciplined. You don't waste any movement. You take great angles. Um, you can be just athletically, uh, you know. Which, which like Mitch feels. Mitch seems like he's made a jump in that regard, right? Like. Yeah, I think he's very disciplined. If you thought he was a below average defender through the yeah. first three years of his career. This year, it feels like his angles and like what mm-hmm. he's where he's positioning himself, himself to like at least be there to contest yeah. when the shots ready to go up. I feel like that's a yeah. jump he's made on that end of the floor because. I've never, I haven't seen him, like, out of position to eat a three yet. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, even if yeah. he's been scored on, I feel like he's been there. Right. Which is no, what, you, totally which is what defense totally is all about. If you're in position and they hit it, that's on that's on them, not you. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so I think that I, I think that that's the biggest the biggest thing is maybe they've talked about that is Tyshawn. We don't have Tyshawn anymore, so everybody's got to step up defensively, and you can't make this mistake. Um, and like I said, I, I, I'll be watching the game with my husband being like, oh, my gosh, their rotations are, like, freaking excellent. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And because it's, it's hard to – it's the hardest part about team defense is just trusting. Um, mm-hmm. And you, don't, you just don't want to be the guy that gave up the bucket, you know. And then when, you, when you have that mentality, it's, it's hard to be a great defensive team. But I, I just don't feel like that with this, this team. Like, mm-hmm. their gap – their help side is like crazy. They're off their players and they, you can just tell there's a different amount of trust um, that's going into it. But I, I definitely think their team defense overall has risen. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens when the, when we got to go up against some, some of these uh, heavy hitters here soon. Yeah. But I just think like having a lead point guard surrounded yeah. by shooters with a post player inside. Yeah. 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 Um, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. I think we did get one question in here. Okay. Um, let me double check. And then if I read it right, it'll lead into something I just want to wrap up with. So, um, this one's from, uh, Justin Blowbomb. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, does the fact that the game was as close as it was with the Jays playing as poorly as they did, uh, Say more about how good the Jays could be playing great or how somewhat overrated Kansas is. So, like, that's a loaded question a little bit. Um, so, I basically, you're, you're, you know, if you're if we're answering this, we're basically grading yeah. Kansas and KU or Kansas and Creighton and, and basically translating it going forward. Like, how close, to, how close was Creighton tonight to their ceiling? How close was Kansas to their ceiling? Mm-hmm. Was, well, you talked about it earlier. Um, people are going to think that Creighton was just like off and we just missed, we know we missed some shots that we normally make, but that's to me a tribute to Kansas defense. They, they actually did a really, really good job defensively. Um, When you, and, and I'll be honest, I missed the first few minutes of the game. Um, But when you do a good job on Mitch early, or if you do a good job on whoever early, it's going to get into your head and it's going to affect the rest of the game. So I would say that this was legitimate, number eight versus what is Kansas number four Number five or number five. Like, yeah. I think this, I think it was legit. Like, I think it was just okay. two really good teams battling. And I think Kansas did a good job to get our shooting percentage to be down a little bit. And I think we did a good job 
with our defensive scheme and still being able to stay in the game um, against some of the guys that they have. So I don't know. I don't think I don't so think it, would, so, it, so it wouldn't. Yeah, it was so it wouldn't surprise you basically if this ends up being a second weekend matchup down the road somewhere. No, it, it really it really wouldn't. It really wouldn't like. Anybody in the announcer is talking about it too. Like anybody's watching this game, that 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 was a legitimate great game. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think I I think I I think I completely agree. Like it felt it felt like watching it, I was watching a really good game. The thing that I'm taking away from it is like I'm not forgetting the fact that and and when I say stuff like this, people think I'm being a homer because I'm always like leaning last half full, right? Mm-hmm. Um but I'm not forgetting the fact that I think this is game five for KU and game four for Creighton. Mm-hmm. And it's not just game five and game four. It's game five and game four coming off of an off season like no other. Right. Right. This is not in terms of preparation. This is not typical. Right. They've had interruptions. Um, they've had guys in and out of practice. They haven't, there's the flow that the March 7th supernova that everybody saw is not even like close to there yet. Right. Maybe you can argue it won't, get there because Tyshawn was as good as he was and he's gone, but they're not even like close to filling that gap yet, in my opinion, right. because it's just not reasonable to expect them to be that good right now after the interruption they had. It's not like you just hit the ground running and you're a final four contender again. Right. Like if that was, exactly. how, if that was how good they were playing in March, I don't expect them to be playing that well in December. Right. It's just a gap there where the timing's off. <laughs> Yeah. And there's new pieces being incorporated in new spots and you've got to get used to that. Like I yeah. think I think if they're if they avoid interruptions and get to and get to February, mid February, late February, um I think you'll see them start clicking on all cylinders and you'll start to see that potential realized because I think it's all there. I think you've okay. seen enough of a sample size right now in spurts to go, yeah, they can be pretty special if like they get that to click consistently and turn it into like they click like that for 30 minutes out of a 40 minute game. Um, you know, you'll see them put it on teams like they did last year. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. The thing that I, the thing that I'm taking away from this is like of a, of a concern going forward is I think when you look at the production that Kansas had out of the four and five spot tonight, yeah, it might, it might like concern you a little bit because yeah. Christian is an undersized five. And I do think for the most part, I would give him a good grade on how well he held McCormick in check and how, how much he compromised McCormick on the defensive side of the ball because of what he does in, in ball screens, right? Like mm-hmm. even coming out of the second half, they put, they put McCormick in two straight one, five ball screens yep. with Christian and, and Marcus gave yep. that two threes in a row. You know what yep. I'm saying? Plays, Marcus, yeah. Marcus is clearly not at the level he was at last March. Right. So they're only going to go back to that well as soon as the timing gets right. And that's one way to neutralize a true five as your, as your opponent, is. right? Yeah. The other thing was with a true five on the floor, Jalen Wilson at that four spot, which is he's like, he's like Kansas a small ball five. He killed Creighton tonight. Yeah. So that's like a, that's, that's something that's probably going to need to be addressed because that was something that was something you had last year in Tyshawn. He could guard up, right? You know, like he wasn't just he wasn't just a prototypical like two who could guard ones and handle combo guards and things like that. He could handle combo guards like like Powell and Howard and Baldwin, but he could also guard up to 
the Mamus and the Sadiq Bays and guys right. like that. Like, so you don't have someone who can guard perimeter oriented fours. So I think tonight when you see Jalen Wilson go four for six from three, mm-hmm. you're probably like, okay, how does Creighton counter a versatile four like that? You know what right. I mean? So right. that's, that's a question I have coming out of this game is like, how does Creighton guard versatility at those traditional front court spots? Because they are going to be undersized when they're matching up with those positions. Um, can they affect that and make it so those guys don't beat them? Um, that'll be something I'm going to watch going forward in terms of like how their defense performs up to, I'm not worried about the, I am not worried about the offense at all. I feel like it flows. It's flowing yeah. better with each game. I have supreme confidence in Marcus Zagorowski as your main facilitator um, and a guy who can get a bucket if he has to. Uh, like Mitch Ballack, I'll trust blindfolded shooting over anybody otherwise. Like, so I'm not worried, you know, I th- Damian Jefferson was really good tonight doing all the things that they uh, tasked Damian with doing, making those hustle plays, yeah, uh, getting to the rim, driving off guys, uh, you know, and Denzel obviously heated up towards the end and gave them a chance to, to get that thing to overtime. So I'm not worried about anything on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's only going to get a lot better and it's already pretty good. The defensive yeah. side of it in terms of those matchups or something, I'm just going to watch going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think that? that's a good – I think that's a good point. Like, I, and I also think, like, people don't understand how important and how impactful that summer is. So to not have that with some of these guys that, that are obviously taking on larger roles this year, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's, it, it's going to take a little bit to get into a, a flow. Um, and for them to be where they're at with all those circumstances, I think that that is a huge indicator – uh, of the success that's to come. Um, so like you said, if, if everything can just kind of we get our practices in, if we can stay healthy and all that, yeah. um, I feel like our ceiling is is crazy high. Right. Um, I really do. Yeah, if, so, you're, if you're interruption free and you just keep them, if you keep that, that you know, that like marginal improvement that happens throughout yeah. the season with guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is it, I mean, yeah, no, you're like, you, you said it, Zagorowski, ballot, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you need to kind of run your ship. And if you got the guys that we have behind them and they're getting that experience and some more practices in, I feel like that's going to build up really, really fast. Um, so yeah, I'm not worried about it. For sure. Well, I think that'll probably, that'll probably wrap us up for tonight. Um, thank you to Michael Jordan. Thank you to Eddie for hooking it up. <laughs> and thanks to Shove, man. Good to see you back. Like talking hoops. Well, um, I appreciate you're you like, having You're all like super nervous. Like, what are we talking about? We're just talking about. I know. I know. I've never done. I've actually never done this before. Really? Yeah. This is this will be I, the first one. Well, if you don't block me anywhere, I won't. It won't be your last time. So. <laughs> yeah, keep doing back. this because I, I I like being. I actually really enjoy talking about basketball. I know. Um, that's what I said. I said we're gonna do what we did all summer. So I'm gonna yeah. record it. That's all I'm gonna do. And the thing too, like I need I wanna watch more. Like I wanna watch more intensively. Like I yeah. I these all these years at Creighton, I have not actually watched our men play that much. Like I watched their practices to learn schemes, but every time I would watch it'd be for like something that would help me with the scouting report or you know, it yeah. never was just like leisure. Yeah. Now we'll get we'll get we'll get you back for sure. But I appreciate you yeah. hopping on and yeah. joining me. Uh, what we do here though, we gotta we gotta pump our stuff though. Like, obviously, if you're white and blue, if you listen to this, you know where to find the podcast. 
um, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube page. Uh, we'll have post-game coverage up on the website from Creighton, Kansas, um, and some look-ahead stuff for the Nebraska. But uh, Chef had a fun podcast tonight with who? Phil Beckner. Who's Phil Beckner? Tell the folks. He is the he he trains Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Some pretty Dame, Dame time. Yeah, he actually said he works with Tyshawn. He worked with Tyshawn this oh, summer. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in Phoenix. So that's pretty dope. Yeah. So when when can people check that out? Um, that's probably gonna take a minute to get out. So it's, I would say probably in like two weeks or so. Okay. So take a minute. Okay. My bad then. <laughs> we don't have the production I'm not, I'm not here making false that promises. Mr. Uh, D. Marinas has, so we uh, <laughs> it takes us a little time. I'm making false promises to people. I'm looking forward to that, though. So I think <laughs> if everyone, everyone's listening to this, like keep that in your mind. Chev, Coach Chev, and Dame Time, like you yeah, gotta, you got to get that. Got to get that so, work right. <laughs> um, what's say your name of your company? How do you say it? It's Develop. Yeah, that's what I thought too, but I didn't want to be like develop basketball. Yeah, yeah it's, so it's, it's develop, but it's DVLP. DVLP. So like, tell everyone, how's that going for you? Yeah, it's going really well so far. Um, my initial goal was just to really just like hit the ground and try to work with kids who really, really want to play in college one day or play at a high level one day. Um, and it's nice because I don't have a team, so I get to work with all kids. Um, and so it's been a nice, you know, different types of kids from all parts of the city coming together to. To, to really play at a, at a high level. Um, so that's been going, it's, it's been going pretty, pretty well. Awesome. I just needed to make sure I protected myself and, and worked with girls and boys who really, really want to want to be in the gym. So yeah. um, it's been good. I bet you miss like coaching too, especially with the season going like, Oh yeah. You miss that yeah. spot on the bench. Like you miss, I do. I so, do. Like that, so, but I'm glad to hear that. Like the, yeah. this part of it's making you happy because that was probably yeah. going to be tough for you to, that first season was going to probably be pretty rough. Like, oh, my God, I'm going crazy not being able to coach. I know. And I'm honestly, I'm, like, slowly trying to force my way, like, to to make it as close to the things that I really liked or enjoyed as a college coach. Yeah. So my favorite part was player development, and it was, like, just the detail, watching film, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm working with a select group of high school girls who are on that level um, of intensity as far as – Film watching, one on ones, uh, you know, training workouts, and I go to the games and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I've tried to fill that void as much as I can, and, and it's been going pretty. Do you now, from a skill, from a development standpoint, do you make them cry as much as you made the kids at Creighton cry? Or? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we can talk about uh, that later. We can talk about the next yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's um, the whole show. All right, I appreciate you, Chev. Be well, okay. Thanks, thanks for thanks for hopping on. I appreciate you having me. All right, go Jays.